0: Right, morning. Uh, just want to say thank you to that lady for bringing that uh, that word about the armour of God, uh, because it felt like the Lord was really being quite gentle with us this morning eh? through worship and through even the the values and the finance teaching. Um, and my word feels a little bit stronger. <laughs> it feels like um, I'm here to to take some ground this morning. I'm here to to spur us into action. Uh, I'm an ex-rugby player and I loved the game and one of the things I loved was that sort of 10-15 minutes before you run onto the field and you're busy. You're getting psyched up because you know you're headed into, into battle. And uh, I'm really trusting that this morning the word that I'm going to bring is going to be something of that, of a preparation for us to go into battle. So You know, there's a couple of times I've actually been sitting thinking, sure, Lord, did I go the wrong way here? Like, this is all, like, very warm and gentle and soft, but actually, you know what? I think that's just perfect. The Lord has pulled us close. He's whispered in our ear, and now he's going to send us out. So um, as as Andre said, for those who don't know me, my name is Sean. I have the huge privilege of leading the Gordons Bay Congregation, actually planted out of Somerset West. Um, a little over 15 months ago, and uh, the Lord has been incredibly gracious to us. We planted with 24 adults and 8 children, and we're now averaging between 50 and 60 adults and about 17 to 20 children each Sunday. So um, there is something of a multiplication on this congregation, Um, and uh, part of that was this thing of we go. We don't just come, settle, and stay we go. And uh, I'm hoping we'll catch some of that this morning. So, last week in, in Gordon's Bay, I preached on becoming warriors of God and I spoke about three of David's mighty men. Called, they were called the three. The first one, I can't remember his name fully. but The second one was Eliezer and the other one was Sharma. And these were mighty men filled with the spirit that just were willing to go to war when others were running. Uh, And it felt like the Lord wanted me to continue on that vein, but in a slightly different thread with you guys. So this morning, I'm going to be talking about pushing back the enemy. Um, And often we can push back the enemy by taking ground into into the nations. And then sometimes we can take ground in our own lives. Um, And there's a sense of we're actually going to take some ground into our own lives this morning. So we've had a wonderful morning talking about God and uh, I'm going to be talking a little bit about the enemy this morning. And I know for some of us we could struggle with that and go, geez, we're not really supposed to talk about the enemy in church. We should focus on Jesus. And that's true. Um, but if we have a look in 2 Corinthians 11, uh, verse 2 and 11, um, it actually says, sorry, have we got that scripture? Corinthians 2 verse 11. It says, so that we would not be adwitted by Satan if we are not we are not ignorant of his designs. And uh, I think sometimes we need to just be reminded that we do have an enemy that's out there to, to, dis- he's, he's to kill, steal, and destroy. He's there to derail us from the plans that God has got from us, for us, and he's there to try and pull us back. And uh, for us that are born again, washed by the blood, we've all taken ground in our lives. If you have made a proclamation of the lordship of Jesus Christ in your life. You have taken ground from him and you have reclaimed ground for the kingdom of God. But that doesn't mean that he's never going to come back and it doesn't mean that he's not going to test our boundaries and he's not going to try and get us to come back into his um into his realm and to give up some of the ground that we have won. So this morning I'm hoping to help equip us to defend our borders. And once we've defended our borders, to start pushing forward and to take some ground again. And uh, there's just these three areas that I wanted to use as an equipping for us. And uh, the first one is, if we want to push back darkness in our own lives and in the lives of others, we need to know who our enemy is, and we need to know how he works, what's his modus operandi, what are the characteristics of the enemy. And if we have a look in Isaiah 14, from verse 12 to 14, we're going to see here, this is is the Lord speaking about the enemy. And he says, How have you fallen from heaven, O day star, son of the dawn? How were you cut to the ground, you who laid the nations low? You said in your heart, I will descend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will make myself like the Most High. And that's how he works. If we bring him down, that's it. Satan is one of those... He he was the most glorious and most beautiful angel. In uh, Ezekiel 28, 13 to 15, we read how the Lord describes him once again. I didn't give you that one. Apologies. But effectively in that one, he he speaks about Satan being adorned in every precious stone. And he was anointed as a guardian cherub. He was in terms of the hierarchy of angels. He was up there. He had it all. He was the real deal. But yet something in his heart became ambitious and selfish and prideful. And what he started to do was he said, no, no, but hold on. This isn't good enough for me. I still want more. I'm going to go above Christ. I'm going to ascend above him. I will be like God. And that was a big mistake. Because he grasped for what wasn't his. And the Lord dealt with him. So one of the strategies that he's going to use to try and reclaim ground within the context of the church and within the context of ourselves is he's going to try and get us to grasp for that which isn't ours. Or perhaps grasp for something which is not ours yet. As a young man... When I came into the life of, of Joshua Generation Church, I got modeled family, I got modeled many of the things that I'm hoping you're experiencing as you are part of your Markbus congregation or in Somerset West or wherever it may be that you find yourself. But I kind of came in and my first saying as a as a newly saved believer was I walked in with a performance mentality, being a, a salesperson and a sports person. I walked in, I said, Okay, who's the big dog here? Who leads? And they said, oh, it was that guy. And I said, okay, cool, what does he do? And they said, no, he's the lead elder. And I said, All "Right. how long did it take him to get there? And they said, eight years. I said, I'll do it in four. It's the nature, isn't it? It's the nature of man to want more, to grasp for more, to go for that which is not yet allotted to us. And very often in doing that, we partner with the strategies of the enemy and we allow our borders to be overrun. And this morning, I want to remind us that if we look at the way of Jesus, if we look at the model that He set for us, He said, who wants to be the greatest among you? Become the servant of all. It's in serving, it's in going down, it's in becoming humble. I always think to myself, if I was Jesus, me personally, if I was Jesus, when I came into Jerusalem, it would have been in a stretched limousine. You know, If you, any of you guys have seen the, the, the movie Aladdin... When he comes into the city, he's got like 150 elephants and there's peacocks and there's gold everywhere and he's riding this elephant and it's glory. Yet that wasn't his model. He came in on a lowly donkey and he came into the city knowing that the very people that were throwing down the palm leaves for him, just a few days later would be the same people saying, kill him. So we want to stay humble. To defend our borders, to push back against the Lord, we stay humble. We don't reach for things. We don't grasp for that. It might be very easy. It might be something that you desire at work, that promotion. And not all these things that we grasp for are bad things. But we we grasp for that promotion. Or that guy drives past the new Range Rover Sport and you're like, whoa, hello. Hello you're pretty, somebody else's wife or husband, the respect that they have, a position in church, a ministry, we grasp for it. And in grasping for it, we partner with that who should not be partnered with. So I want to call us back this morning. The way up is down. The way up is down. The second thing that we see about the enemy here is that Satan wants to sit on the throne. We read it. He says, I will sit on the throne. I will ascend to the throne of God. And I mean, I look at that and I just go, what a dope. You're, a, you're adorned in jewels. You, you, you are the, you're a, the, one of the angels of worship. You, you cover the glory of the Lord. Yet you still want more. You want to sit on the throne. And the trouble with, with that is, is that we kind of look at that and we go, what an idiot. But I would wager that at least probably five to ten times this week, in my own personal life, I have taken Jesus off the throne and I have sat down and said, no, no, it's okay. I've got this. I'll be all right. I don't need you, Lord, to tell me this way or that way. And in so doing, I allow my borders to be pushed back. Because all of a sudden I've taken the Lord off the throne and I've sat down because I think I know better. Right? I mean, maybe it's just me. Anybody else? Anybody else ever taken the Lord off their throne? Shantel, please help out. There we go. Thank you. We've got some honesty in the house. And this is not a heavy. It's just a reminder back in. It's a reminder back in that... He sits on the throne, and we need to daily be looking to hear what does our master say? What does the king command? You see, I think in our, in our modern culture, in our Western culture, we don't understand lordship. We don't understand kingship. You see, in the old days, the king commands, and you do. No questions asked, no democratic process, no toy-toy, no human rights commission. The king says, I do. That's the case. Finish and claw. Move on with your life. Yet we, in fact, it's so interesting. We were driving here this morning and we saw, you know, these, these guys that are all dressed in white and they meet out in the bush. I think they're called the Nazarenes or whatever the case may be. And they are devoted. They, I've seen them sun, rain, snow. They are there. They are devoted. Muslims. Buddhists. Every other religious sect that has to work its way towards God is devoted. Yet we as Christians, we, get, we sing this morning of this beautiful grace of God. And let me tell you something. I love the grace of God. If it wasn't for Him, I wouldn't even be standing. In, I can tell you how many stories how the grace of God has set me free and has helped me overcome things. But that same grace is an enabling grace. It's a grace that allows us to move in a different direction. It doesn't just set us free, it then sets us forward, it sets us on course. So when the Lord speaks, we need to be those that listen. And it doesn't always have to be which job am I taking. Sometimes it's just, husband, you are harsh with your wife, don't repent. Wives, you disrespected your husband. Go and repent. Sons and daughters, I didn't respect my parents. Go and repent. Sometimes it's just a case of God wanting to use you by sending a WhatsApp to somebody to encourage them when He puts them on your heart in their quiet time in the morning. And we go, yeah, I'll do it later. And then it never happens. And maybe that person was on their knees, begging the Lord, saying, Lord, please, I just want to know that you're with me in this situation. I just want to know that you hear me. Won't you send a messenger? Won't you send an angel if you need to? And he says, yes. And he speaks to Johan. And he says, Johan, I want you to encourage Andre. He's going through some stuff. Send him a message and just send him a scripture. Do something. Yeah, Lord. Maybe Later. So to push back the boundaries against the enemy, to take ground for the kingdom of God, we take ourselves off the throne and we let God be God. We let the king be the king. Because the problem with this is, is that very often, like when Satan fell, did he go alone? He didn't. He took a third of the angels now, I want to just take a moment to think about it. There's a third of the angels. These are beings that have lived in the very presence of God. They have seen Him face to face, they have, they've beheld His glory. And with them, they can be deceived and they get pulled off course. And as a result of that, they came down to earth, and then Adam and Eve were deceived. And millions and millions of souls have been lost. And the feeling that I got this morning was that the Lord said to me, and and I must say, I've been struggling with this thing. There's been a couple of times I thought I'm going to change this picture. I'm going, it feels hard, Lord. I don't know if I want to share it. And he goes, no, no, hold on. What does love look like? What does love really look like? Love looks like if you are driving towards the edge of a cliff and you're about to plummet over the side, I can't say, well, you know what, I love you, but I don't want to tell you that there's a hole there because, like, I might offend you. I, God, His love for us is ferocious. His grace is amazing. And through that grace, He goes, I will not stand by and let one of my children go. I will not let one of my kids' borders be overrun. I don't want them defending. I want them going forward. So, this is a call to arms. This is a call for each one of us, young and old, child and adult, to say that not on my watch will one, even one, be lost. Is this okay? Thank you. I'm really, I'm operating on a lot of faith today. So I'm trusting that the Lord is massaging this thing because I'm not angry with you. And I want to let you know, neither is the Lord. He's not angry with you. But the times that we're moving into are tough times. And I think the, the, you know, the wishy-washy, nice, cushy, comfortable Gospels um, of gentle Jesus, meek and mild, um, are coming to an end. And we as a people are going to need to start preparing ourselves for war. And I want to be that one that helps you. I want to be that one that along, comes alongside you and says, hey guys, as, as us as elders within the life of Josh Chen are standing, ready to fight this tide and to push back the enemy, we want you to come alongside with us. But you know what? War is messy. And it's going to cost you something. So like any good sports person, any good business person, what do we need to do when times change? We need, to, we need to do a little bit of self-assessment. I'm not talking about hectic introspection because I'm going to create a lot of pastoral work for all these guys because when we start looking at ourselves, we see that we're actually not that impressive. We really aren't, but he is. So I'm not asking you to introspect. But sometimes what we need to do is just take a little recon of our lives and just say, listen, how am I actually doing here? And I think the one thing that, that's often not spoken about, because we're an encouraging people, I don't think it's very hard for people here, if you're in the life of a church, to know what you're good at. Because we encourage. We're called to encourage, and it's a good thing. So people will tell you what you're good at. Francois, you're such a great worship leader. Andre, you're so compassionate and kind and gentle and... You know, Sean, you're so harsh and hectic, bro. (laughs) People will tell us what we're good at. But very often, we will see what we're good at. But we we have a little blind spot where that little weakness is on the side. And we don't see it. And if you spend time in a loving church, in community like you guys so rightfully explained... You know what's going to happen inevitably? At some point, that blind spot, the light will go on. And someone's going to say, hey, there's something there that okay, doesn't reflect Christ. eh? doesn't look like Him. And then, what we have to do, and I think as, as someone who now leads a church of, of, of 50 and 60 people, None of them were here, thankfully. So I can, I can be open with you guys. I can be vulnerable with you guys. Because I think Andre and the rest of the eldership team would, would um, agree with what I'm going to say to you. When, it, when we have to come and talk to you about an area of your life that's not right, I can promise you we're not doing backflips, eh? We're not like high-fiving each other and going, Yay, we get to speak into a hard part in somebody's life. I promise you, if your elder, your community leader, someone who the Lord has set over you needs to come and talk to you, that person has probably lost some sleep. Because one day, Andre and I and Richard and the rest of the guys are going to stand before the Lord alone. And He will judge what we've said. And He will hold us accountable for every errant word that we've said. So if I'm too harsh with you, there will be a loss of reward. If I don't reflect Jesus and all of his character to you, that's the, that's the gentle Jesus, the lamb, but also the lion, the one who's coming back with fire in his eyes and a robe dipped in blood and a sword, ready to come and judge. I have to show you that Jesus too. We have to know that Jesus too. So we don't come at you from a place of trying to lord it over you. We come at you because if we love you, we have to speak to you. We have to say that thing, is, it doesn't look like Jesus. And we need to defend your borders for you sometimes. And I want to ask you, when that time comes, if it hasn't already come, understand, nobody's trying to hurt you. A warrior is trying to help you defend your borders. Is helping you defend your borders. We want to push back the enemy. I want to say to you that often we hear these these really well-meaning worldly phrases that are not biblical and they are not helpful when we are trying to win this fight against the enemy. And you'll hear things like, but what does your heart tell you? Just follow your heart, man. Do what feels right. Do what feels good. And is that actually biblical? Is that actually right? Is it right for you to follow your heart? Well, let's have a look what the Word says because I don't want to give you the gospel of Sean. So let's have a look. Jeremiah 17 verse 9. Very interesting. Very interesting. It says what it says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I'm afraid to tell you your heart will lead you astray. It's, it's gonna take you down paths you don't want to go down. It's gonna lead you into, into young the young kids there. I see Kayla, I see my son Connor. You guys are going to grow up into a world where love gets toted around and love looks like a certain thing. I want to tell you something. It doesn't. I tell you, my boy, your, your heart will lie to you. And that's why God is giving you a community of people. Men that give up their homes every week, prepare themselves. Ladies that are in ladies' groups with you. Youth leaders that are trying to lead you. These are people that God has put around you. Fellow warriors. Fellow guys that are in this battle. And they've won some fights. They've defeated the enemy. They've been empowered by the Lord to lead us through these things. So in order to follow Jesus, in order to further the kingdom, we need to put our hearts away. And we need to allow the Word of God to wash us the Holy Spirit to guide us and Jesus to empower us. Because I want to tell you, you didn't get saved just to stand still. Because I honestly believe God in His wisdom, if that was His model, we would have got saved, we would have got raptured straight to heaven. Amen? We would have. But He goes, no. I'm going to grab this bald-headed, gray-bearded, ex-rugby player, piece of rubbish. I'm going to grab him. I'm going to put my spirit in him. I'm going to put him in front of 70, 80 people he doesn't know. And I'm going to tell him, to tell them, we are going to take some mountains. We are going to charge the enemy. We are going to push him back in our own lives first and in the lives of others. In our own context, we've been talking to people just recently, a little bit around... How are they structuring their quiet time? And I want to tell you, I'm really concerned. I'm really, really, really concerned. As as an elder in the Lord, it's it's, it's a fight I've had to overcome. Because now I'm not just praying for me anymore. I've got 60 people that are in varying degrees every single day. My quiet time has become so precious to me that if I miss it, It feels like I've I've missed out on some sort of a nutrient. There's something deficient. I feel malnourished in the morning. Now I want to say to you, there is no ways that you can defend your borders and then push the enemy back if you aren't first sitting with the Lord and getting instruction and getting encouragement and letting His grace wash us so that we can be empowered to go out and do what it is that we need to do. We need to know that our hearts will lead us away, but the Word of God and the Spirit of God will lead us through. And then finally, and most importantly, this is, this is the one that you all need to write down. In order for us to push back the enemy, we have to know who our God is. You know, I think sometimes even maybe for younger guys they we we kind of see Satan as equal to but opposite of God. How many let's be honest, sometimes we see that, eh? We kind of think, no, but he's just the antithesis of God, he's just the opposite of God. So if God is kind, he's cruel. If God is truth, then he's a lie. If God is powerful, so is he. He's not. I want to say to you that he is not. The enemy is not equal to, but opposite of. He is a defeated enemy. When he tried to raise up and take that which wasn't his, the Lord said, enough of that. Out you go. And that battle was won. When Christ gave up his life, his precious blood to redeem us, he went down into Hades, into hell. I don't know. Me, I'm not building theology on this. This is my personal. But if I was there, I would like to have kind of seen it go down like this. Jesus walks into hell, walks up to Satan, gives him a little backhand, takes the keys, and says, now, the world is mine. It's mine. None of them. You can't have them anymore. Not on my watch. I don't know how it went down. One day we'll know all things, and maybe it will be. But I don't think he walked in and said, like, hey, yeah, sorry, I'm here to, like, dispossess you of your keys. I don't think so. Like, I don't think that's how it went down. He walked in there, glorious, and said, hey, I just spilt all my blood, all my sweat, all my tears. I took the shame, the guilt. We sang about his grace this morning, this amazing grace, and that's it. It is amazing. Everything that, if you've walked in here this morning feeling full of shame and full of guilt, even if as I'm speaking you felt convicted of things, actually, that's good. I'm sorry, I don't want you to feel condemned, but if there's conviction in your heart, that's good. But I want to tell you, your God, He died for that. He died for that. And this morning we can bring it to Him. And we can lay it at the foot of the cross. And we can walk out your different people to the people that walked in. Because that's who our God is. Let me tell you something else about my God. This beautiful God. Let's go to Exodus 34, verse 67. Let's read about our God. And there's two things that I'm going to show you here. It says, the Lord passed before him. This is, this is God passing before Moses. So he's hidden him, hid him away. Because Moses can't look on his glory. Because if he does, he's dead. So he hides him away, and the Lord passes past him. And this is what Moses says, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. The the, um, translation I've got here says, uh, abounding in loving devotion and faithfulness. And we can go to the next one, please. Keeping steadfast love. Look at this, guys. Steadfast love for thousands. Forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. However, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. So here we see the nature of our God. I need you to know this God. Because it says that He is compassionate and gracious. I'm using my translation, not what's on the board. Slow to anger, abounding in loving devotion and faithfulness. Maintaining loving devotion to a thousand generations. Forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. You see, if we read this, if you read the, the last bit, it says, he'll no, by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquities of the, of the fathers to the third and the fourth generation. So you might think that's harsh. So, so the, the sin and iniquity that was on me would have gone down three or four generations if it weren't for Christ. But look what he says. Look what it says before that. For those that are in him, he sends blessings, loving devotion, sorry, slow to anger, abounding in love, maintaining loving devotion to thousands of generations. Is that not love? Is that not love? So, where, where we would be punished for iniquity, because He's a just God, He's a good God, He's a holy God, we would be punished for three, four generations when we're in Him. We are blessed into. Thousands of generations. That, it amazes me. And I love that where it says that He is abounding in loving devotion. We can be devoted, but there's a difference between devotion and loving devotion. Loving devotion means that I stay married to my wife but I actually honor her, and I love her, and I lay my life down for her. You see, I can be devoted and not divorce her, but am I loving? And that's what it says about our God, this God that you need to know to push back boundaries. He is lovingly devoted, which means that He will never give up on you. He will pursue you to the very pit of hell and bring you back again, if that's what he needs to do. And you know what? He's going to ask you to do the same. Because if that's his nature, then I would put it to you, if we are in him, then we are like him. And if we are like him, that means that all of us are lovingly devoted to each other and to God. So when you have that one person in church that just seems to have been sent by the Lord to sharpen you every single weekend, when you see them, we are what? We're not just devoted to them, how's it, how are you, like how are you are, oh, hello, on my knees off the church again to get forgiveness. No, I'm lovingly devoted to that person. Because that person was washed, cleaned, and claimed by the blood of Jesus Who am I to not want to love and be devoted to that person as well? Compassion, kindness, graciousness. Yo, guys, how are you feeling? How are you feeling pre-COVID? Ukraine war, petrol price, load shedding. How do those words make you feel? I don't see anyone getting up and clapping. It's hard. It's frustrating. Business people, there's business people in this place that are losing money hand over fist because ESCOM is striking. And we've all seen that little video on Facebook about how much they get paid and all these wonderful things. And you know what? When we start to fill ourselves with that stuff, what we're actually doing is we're allowing the enemy to infiltrate our border. And you know what's going to come out? The opposite of compassionate, gracious, lovingly devoted. It's going to be. uh, I actually don't have time for community. I don't have time for church. I'm actually so miffed with the world right now. I don't even want to go there because if Andre comes and asks me how I am, I'm going to tell him today. Today I'm going to tell him. (laughs) Huh? Guys, this is our God, man. He says no. I am gracious and kind, lovingly devoted. This is our call. You know, sometimes we don't have to fight the enemy by, shi- by, by casting out demons. Sometimes we actually just need to be kind to each other, and we stick our finger in the eye of the enemy. Because all he wants to do is he wants to break division. He, wa- he wants to break unity amongst this group of people. He wants to do it in Malchbos, He wants to do it in Somerset West. He wants to do it in Gordon's Bay. Because as soon as I've broken unity, I've cut off blessing. And when the blessing of the Lord stops flowing, the life of the Lord stops flowing. And all of a sudden, we start losing ground. And people stop coming, people start backsliding. And all of a sudden our borders are just being, the elders are going, what is going on here? We're just getting attacked on every front. We've got sickness, our finances are down, people are leaving the church. What's going on? And maybe just one of our borders got overrun. So I want to call to you as brothers and sisters now. Can we stand united in one line? and say that we are going to devote ourselves lovingly, first of all, to the Lord. First of all, to the Lord. And then to each other. I wonder if you wouldn't mind just to close your eyes.